What's good, everyone? Welcome back to the Diversified Gentleman Podcast, and we're here with Brandon. What's up, dog? What's going on, man? Welcome to the pod, my man. Thanks for being here, man. Appreciate it. I'm hey, I'm excited excited digging that shirt you got on there, boy. Y'all yeah, see, I see you. I see you, Red. Black and brown investors. There we go. Day one member. We <laughs> international because of you now. <laughs> awesome. So, what we like to ask our guests when they first uh, get on is what makes you a diversified gentleman? Well, a diversified gentleman, what makes me a diversified gentleman is I'm able to mingle with a, bu a bunch of different cultures and that are going to what we'll talk about today, Representation Podcast. Um, I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a service member, and I'm also a person that likes to get active in the community. Um, there are a plethora of things I feel like I can dump into when it comes to my hobbies. Um, I like entertaining, of course, I love music. Um, I play sports in high school, played a little bit of uh, band. Um, none of that worked out for me. <laughs> so I ended up joining the military and- Like the rest of us. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I know, right? Like it, it didn't work out for me, but we're here now and I'm, I'm very proud of who I am as a man. So I just stand on that. So let's get into your podcast. So tell us um, a little bit about your podcast and then walk us through the journey on um, kind of where you started and how you ended up with the idea to start a, represent, a representation podcast. All right, so like you mentioned, my podcast is Representation Podcast and I've just always been a person who enjoys conversation. Um, a little backstory, I, um, I grew up pretty much an only child my whole life. I had an adopted sister, but she um, passed away at the age of 20. Um, she's only, she was only in my life about when she turned 12. So I think I was about 13 or something like that when she actually came around and was with our family. But I was in a small family, just me, my father, my mother. And I had a bunch of extended family, but I also didn't have grandparents. All of my grandparents died when they were when I was extremely young or even before I was even born. So one thing about representation podcasts is I... I always like to know our history. And I think this podcasting is a tool for us to hear from the voices of everyone, to know exactly what they thought. And I always wanted to have something to represent my generation of black people. So we all know that our history has been kind of messed up because it's controlled by certain people of what we learn in school. But now we have tools like podcasts or we, are able to write our own books and stuff, and we can actually tell a story from our mouths. I remember it was this one time, um, I'm from Gullah Geechee culture, Charleston, South Carolina. And it was this one time I heard this video of this lady speaking in Gullah, and she was actually just had been released from being a slave. And she gave this story and it was like, it's so much, it was so powerful to hear her speak and hear the words coming from her mouth rather than to read it in a book. Mm -hmm. I, I know the importance of books, but sometimes when you hear that voice, you can actually feel the power. So that was my thought behind Representation Podcast. I wanted the people to hear the voice from different Black people and actually feel the story. I like that. I like that a lot, man. You're getting that, that truth from right, right from the mouth of those that live the stuff instead of, instead of reading it. And what's funny, you, you bring that up. That's part of our culture, man. I don't know if you guys realize that, but back in Africa, we had that in tribes. It was that person that would tell the stories. 
And that was their exactly. whole job in the tribe is to tell the stories of, you know, that ancestry and that bloodline. That way it passed along that way. But you doing that, mm-hmm. doing that now is bringing that to the modern age, man. You're doing the same thing to a global, right. the global audience. I love it. I love it. Yeah, um, definitely the effects of not being able to hear those stories from the mouths of like my grandparents or even meeting so much people and them hearing their stories and being like, man, I wish I could record these conversations that we have like when we go and travel. Yeah. Maybe not all, but most of them I wish we could record and just have it on wax and be like, hey, remember this time in, in memory when you said this, this was just a gem. And you guys, y'all dropped plenty of gems, so definitely want to have you guys on the podcast. You dig it. So what drives you to use the podcast as a, as a platform to do what you do? I think just like I said, the being able to hold conversations with different people and to be able to expose different people. I know, I felt like, I feel like when I was growing up, you always had to be a certain way when you were a black male. Like you were expected to do certain things. Like I, I'm expected to listen to hip hop. I'm expected to be tough, not to show emotions. And on my podcast, I try to, get different black people who have different perspectives. I try to get people from the LGBT community. I try to get people who are from the Africa or different countries in Africa. I try to get people who are from Europe just so I could get the perspective because I feel like we have to let people know that black people are not monolithic. So we have to just get everybody's expression out there so that we can, as a diaspora, learn how to just support each other. I think a lot of times we get confused and aren't able to support other people because we don't even know their ideas or what they think and a lot of people get offensive because they have to explain themselves but this is a platform where they can come and explain themselves or explain their lifestyle their culture and we can learn to understand their culture that way we don't have to ask these questions that might agitate them in a sense um i I know a lot of times when we meet people from maybe the lgbt community or even people from other cultures sometimes they like to tell you you need to do your studying you need to do the work before you come and ask me these questions. And I, I agree with that, but this is a platform where we can have that work, where they can, you can come and listen to learn about other people, to learn about their culture, learn about their lifestyle so that you can get an understanding, you can make a connection with them. Because some people don't have that other, those folks in their back pocket or next door to be able to go and knock on the door and say, hey, let's have this conversation. I know being from Charleston is a very small community, very small town. And we were very thick in that Gullah Geechee culture. But if you go outside of the South Carolina, Georgia line, a lot of people don't know what Gullah Geechee culture is. So now I have this platform where I can bring people from my culture and learn more myself and express that culture to other people. And I would like to give other cultures, other people with other lifestyles that opportunity as well. I got, I got Explain a little bit. I, I never heard of that either. Oh, yeah, I've culture. never heard of that. So yeah, can, that? can you expand on the, the you said the Gullah Geechee? Gullah Geechee culture. Gullah Geechee, okay. So Gullah Geechee culture. So Gullah Geechee derives from a group of people that came to what is called the Sea Islands of America. So the Sea Islands are on the south, the south, southeastern South Carolina, Georgia, Florida coastline. And what happened was you had these, most people know the largest ports of slavery started in Charleston, South Carolina. And what happened was they had these group of West Africans who actually got to keep their culture because they were on these sea islands that were isolated from America. So you hear someone that speaks what they call Geechee. And it's funny that I mentioned this because when I first came into the military, my, my um, accent was really thick. And they made me take this English comprehension test because they didn't think I was actually from America at first. Oh, wow. So, wow. And, I, and I had times when um, I remember 
I remember one of my uh, master sergeants, he pulled me, he pulled me into the room and he told me, hey man, you gotta kind of speak slowly and like change up your accent because people are complaining. They can't understand what you, what you say. And to me, I know they, it was I know like, I didn't even love you basic training. <laughs> yeah, man, you know, I really, I really didn't have that much issue with and basic training because I didn't talk oh, wow. that much because I was the, I was a God on barrier. Yeah. So I, oh, yeah. I was by myself most of the time. So okay. um, yeah, but to continue on about the Gigi Gullah culture, these African slaves who are enslaved Africans who were in South Carolina or that coastal line were on these islands and they were brought there to do um, rice harvesting. And a lot of people don't know that the harvesting of rice was in big in Africa, in West Africa. And they brought them there to get that, um, that expertise to be able to sell those products of the rice. Um, a lot of people think when they think about enslaved people, they think about cotton, but that was one product that was big in South Carolina. And if you look it up, it's called golden rice, like golden mm. Carolina rice. And they make it to this day. And what was what happened when these people came to the sea islands, they were able to keep their culture and they kind of developed almost like a patois. Like it was like a language of their own that was mixed with English and some of the West African languages. And of course, all those languages mix it because they were coming from different tribes. So it's a, it's a very deep rooted connection to West Africa. And one way that I actually learned that is when I went and started traveling. In Charleston, we have this thing called red rice, but most people would know it as jollof. And it's literally the exact same thing, but except in red rice, they have sausage or shrimp in it sometimes. Most people pick like pork sausage. But other than that, it's completely the same. And those that's big in uh, Senegal, Nigeria, and Ghana, those West, uh, West African countries where most of those enslaved people, ancestors are from. So I, I knew a lot about it growing up, but I really didn't dive into the history of that Gullah Geechee culture. And as I get older and I'm losing some of the people who are thinking to it, mm. um, it's very, very, very important for me to learn more information so I can pass that on to my children because I don't want it. I know I'm not living anymore, so they don't have the, as much exposure as I did. So it's very important for me to gain as much knowledge as possible in that sector. I mean, that's uh, your background and uh, ethnicity is what we as Blacks like strive for right we want to know where mm -hmm. we're from we want to know that background our head our ancestry um and that's beautiful man um knowing that you you are uh so engulfed in that culture and not only engulfed but you're actually spreading that knowledge around um i, I mean i wish you know I, I could say the same like i really knew what parts of africa like my ancestors are from like that Man, that, that's 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 a lost gem that we don't. A lot of us don't have. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's really important to have that connection to uh, being Gullah Geechee. And I, I, I sometimes I talk to my wife about this because she is from Bermuda, and you would notice how how some individuals from these Caribbean islands have so much pride in their country, even though their ancestors were enslaved and brought there also. But you don't see that much pride in the country when it comes to ADOS or American, African-American descendants of slaves. Mm -hmm. um, but in Charleston, we still had that connection. So we're very prideful, maybe not of being from America, but of our culture, of Gullah Geechee culture. And just to clarify, the, the people in the ancestors, they would call them Gullah. 
and Geechee actually started as a, a, a derogatory term to say like you spoke broken English or you were ignorant, but just like the N word, yeah. people kind of like made it like, no, this is a part of our culture, mm. Gullah Geechee started culture. owning it. So, yeah. Okay, got it. Yeah, our histories are so complex and man, there's just so many di dynamics when it comes to uh, kind of like you say, said that pride because um, from everyone from every country when they uh, migrate here, they still rep um, their roots where they came from. And uh, I, I think us as African-Americans who, you know, my, my grandparents, great grandparents, you know, were, were born and raised here. Um, so I don't have that connection. Obviously I know I'm from African descent, um, but you know, when I go back five, six generations, I know where for the most part started in Louisiana and Mississippi, but, uh, very rarely do you see, you know, when you walk into a black person's house, they have a huge American flag or they have like, you know, I took the 23 and me and I found out that, um, you know, I'm majority Nigerian and, and um, you know, from Ghana, I don't have those flags up. So you kind of have that, you don't have that identity. Um, and I think that causes a lot of um, confusion and frustration from our people as a, as a whole. And, um, and, and not even that, you know, it kind of hinders our unity from Hey, look, we're all from, no matter what part of that continent we're from, um, we are, we understand where we came from. We ended up here. Let's stick together and press forward when you have other uh, ethnicities and we're all in the military, right? So let me tell you a story. When I was in Germany, um, my boy, uh, Guimo, he came in and he's a uh, Filipino and, you know, we were trying to be a, but Germany's our our sponsor is a big deal because yeah. you're you're away from everything that is um, all the conveniences and what and what you know back home in the states, and he didn't need us as a sponsor, and we thought that was so weird. And he's like, "Look, I'm Filipino. At every base I go to, they seek me. Like I don't know how, but by day two. I'm gonna get a call or a text or someone's gonna pull up on me like, hey, this is what we doing. This is this is where we meet up. This is how we yeah. move around here. And I'm like, man, that's that's just when he told me that it was just mind blowing, right? Um, and we and we don't have that here. So we're we're my a minority in this country, um, but it's millions, tens of millions of us, but we're kind of all doing our own thing. And you know, unfortunately, I think that's how the system is designed for us to kind of <laughs> stay and we don't realize that yeah that, that's a good that's a really good point Reese because um I was stationed in at Travis for uh, about five years and I met a cool group of uh Asian cast it was mixed Vietnamese Filipino um but man they they rep hard like I mean the they too huh <laughs> what's up they with the food too. They man, cook. You know, those they fundraisers, man, they come out in droves. Like it, they don't play around. It's a, it's a tight knit. You know what I mean? And it doesn't matter if you're Filipino, if you're Vietnamese. Like they just kind of seek each other out and build those relationships. And like you said, like 
us as African Americans, like we don't we don't do that really. Like sometimes we're more apprehensive than anything to get close. We do, we do like, it slower though. We do a little lot slower. A little and slower. Introduction and we yeah. gotta melt a little bit. Where this dude from? Do I know him? Yeah, Can I trust yeah. him? You know. But once yeah. you do it, then we then we're good. Like, yeah, yeah. Once awesome. we're cool, we're cool. Yeah. Once we're cool, we're not cool. immediate. What you're saying is not immediate like other yeah. cultures. You yeah. Know? Yeah, I think is it becomes very regional for us when our connections. Um, yeah. Because sometimes it is like, oh, are you from the south? Are you from the north? I think that kind of is dwindling down with the internet because everything seems mixed up now. Yeah. <laughs> like it seems like all the cultures are mixed up in America. So, but I know before it was like. Um, especially when I was in the military, I, I kind of tried like uh, leaned over to people that were from the southern region because I was like, okay, they kind of move like me, so I, I'll stick with those folks in a sense. You know what I think caused that? Those fools from New York, they messed up everything. <laughs> yes. New Yorkers messed up everything. Yes. They come in thinking they run place, you know what I'm saying? I'm from yeah. New York, man. I think I say it's truth. Like, what? Yeah, man, like that is Russell, man. I think it's yeah. Russell, yeah. yeah. Sure. No one care you from New York, bro. Yeah, they will. It, they will start with that. With the like, oh yeah, I'm from New York. Okay, all right. And I'd be like, yo, I'm in charge. I didn't ask for it. <laughs> like, hey, what? Hey, shout out to the shout out to the homie. Uh, hey, shout out to the homie Russell Poole, man. We he gonna get you, man. Russell is out of control. That was always on New York. <laughs> yeah, and you be looking like, what's the fault? Like, what's the point? Yeah. Like, what's you here, like, what, where you getting at? No. He he nah, say that and then he pull out then he pull out his fitted cap. That's what he did. <laughs> yeah, he be like up to here. <laughs> oh, yeah, New Yorkers, man. I but but seriously, I think um it's designed to do that. So you know, being a black officer, I, I know we have like our black officer group, but it's crazy that we kind of gotta have it um in the shadows because I think um just in this country being being a minority. You, you're taught to move like, I wouldn't even say a minority because again, it's only, it seems like it's only black people. If, if you walk into a, uh, a uh, conference room and you see 10 white men at the table, you're like, oh, you know, sorry. I'm sorry to bother you, right? But I know all of us have experienced this, especially in the military, where there's like five or six black people at a table and we're joking and laughing and somebody walks by like, what's going on here? Like, what, oh, yeah. We've had this joke like, uh, yeah, one too many. Yeah. And now y'all plotting something. Yeah. Hey, what are you guys talking about? What's, what's, what's going on? And, and I think um, that inherently kind of have us, you know, paranoid looking over our shoulder. Or even like if we in the hallway cutting, you know, cutting up and, you know, someone's coming out, like, okay, like, we'll holler at you later. We get the real, that, that real uh, serious face, like, all right, you know, we'll, we'll talk about this after work. But other cultures, it seems like they don't have to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah, but why it's, do we do that, though? That's a question. I mean, we've always done it. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know why. I think it may come back from just how we've been conditioned. Um, that, that's what I think that's like, what it is. Yeah, I feel like we feel like in our mind, like we don't have chances to mess up. Like, so we got to always seem serious and we have to always be high, like how we uh, personally feel or think in certain situations because we don't want to ruffle anyone's feathers. So I think it has a lot to do with just how we've been brought up throughout the years. I know like um, me and my wife was having this conversation about like now this, this culture, we do things like we kind of push the standards. Like for example, I use hair standards. I know a lot of people back in the olden days, they would say like, 
oh, nobody's going to take you serious if you have locks or you have long hair or if you don't have a shortcut or your hair is not brushed because you need to look a certain way. And I think now people are like, look, my hair and the way I look is not what determines me. What my knowledge is, is what determines me. And that's one thing that I like about this culture. And I, but I understood it from the, from the people back in the day because first they got to get their foot in the door to make leeway for us to be able to come up and be like, all right, we got to change these standards. So. It's funny you say that, man, because you're making a very really good point because our standard of what's professional, how we look, our hair and our grooming standards is based on a European model. Exactly. You know, if, if we were the majority and we had a town, a government, a culture that was majority us, our hair standards would be normal to us. It would be something that we do. But since our, you know, our, our uh, governing and our culture around the US is more based on that European model, those are different. If I come to work with locks down to my shoulder, that's, what, what is that? But if I come to room with you four gentlemen, it's okay, oh, cool, you got it locks in, it's no big deal. That's the thing, that's the most important part is that our standard is determined by a culture that does not share our standard. Exactly. And that's, that's the issue. And I say it in a negative way, I'm gonna say that's where it comes from. So we gotta somehow get to that point where that standard of what we look like and how we wear our hair is not looked upon as unique and different. It's just, it's how it is. This is how we are. But as long as we're the minority, it's, I think it's gonna be that way. You know what I mean? It's gonna take a, a while of changing that, that culture and what we accept as what's professional. You know, as I think, you know, uh, if I had dreads down to the end of my back, that should be acceptable, but it's not because of who's in charge. Yeah, that's why it's important to push things like the Crown Act, which uh, I, I really highly suggest everyone to look up and it's been accepted in some states, but not all 50 states. And what it particularly is, is that people cannot judge you off the basis of your hair um, in workspaces. And I'm very advocate of that because my daughter has sister locks. It's just very easier for her to maintain her hair with having these sister locks. And I know this is a lot of people who have that 4C hair texture. It is easier for them to have locks or do certain things to their hair so that they don't have to wake up three hours before work to kind of make it to fit these European standards. So I'm a big advocate of the Crown Act and I really was to give a big push for everyone to go look that up, just do your research behind it. I didn't even know that was a thing, man. I mean, it obviously it's a form of discrimination, but I didn't know there was an actual act um, uh, being pushed. That's interesting. Yeah, it started a few years ago too, when uh, three or four years ago when they were sending kids home, they was making them cut their hair mm -hmm. because they were saying it was against school policy. I remember that. And you know, it was like these kids were getting targeted. Yeah. But like you said, it's a uh, you know representation. So, for instance, mm -hmm. our last uh, chief master sergeant of the Air Force. Uh, Khalif Wright being a black man changed a lot because now um, yeah, e even though he doesn't have the final say he can walk into that four store uh, that four stars office uh, the chief of staff and say hey let's close the door as a black man this is how this is affecting me which means this is how it's affecting all of uh, everyone else in the in the air force all of your airmen you know 15% of your airmen are feeling like this. And now we have a woman, Chief Master Sergeant of the Air Force of I think Asian descent, right? Mm -hmm. And she's continuing it with, you know, like on the, the, you know, the women, the women's side. But when you keep having, you know, white male after white male after white male after white male after white male, um, having the final say, they're, they're not really going to have that. There's no way for them to have that empathy. Like there's, there's no way because when they go home, um, 
you know, maybe unless they adopted, you know, a, a black child, but it's different when a coworker says, hey, I, I feel this way versus, um, you know, someone who you really care about, who you would live for or die for. And I think that's why other causes go so far because for like women's rights, right? We all came from a woman. We all, for the most part, you know, you, you have a significant other that may be a woman. You, you may have a daughter, you're gonna have a sister. So if an incident occurs and your mom or your wife or your daughter says, yeah, I, that happens to me too. You're taking it a certain way. Um, you know, the uh, LGBT community, right? You may have, your, your child may be gay, your, your brother may be gay, right? But I think for our culture, your, your son is not gonna just happen to be black one day and say, mm -hmm. this is how I feel. You're, you're um, you know, unless you marry um, a white, uh, I'm sorry, uh, a black woman, you're not gonna understand where that person says, look, no, this is, this is real. I experienced this too. When a cop pulls me over, I'm fearful as well. When um, people talk to me like this, you know what I mean? And this is, this is how it's kind of disrupted my peace. And you've got to have people at the top to not only say, I feel your pain, but really be like, no, this is, this is happen this happens to me and I'm about to change things. Now, it's important to have that those conversations, just like, you know, like we've been doing this podcast is have those conversations, put them out there that people talk about so they can hear it and they can they can see what's going on in situations that are not that are not uh, regular to them. Uh, so what I was going to ask you. So how do you in choosing? How do you choose who's going to be on your podcast? Well, luckily, I just know a lot of interesting people right now. So I just yeah. keep picking people that <laughs> I think are interesting and who I think um, bring something different to the table. I've. My podcast officially launches this week on June 20, excuse me, January 27th. And what my basis was, was like my first couple episodes, I want the people to be vastly different. So of course I have Reese, who is one of the members that will be coming on, who is someone who people can look up to. He's very diversified. <laughs> and <laughs> I have another individual who's from the LGBT community, LGBT community who will come on after that. And then I also have an individual who, um, one of my close friends who is a black woman, of course, and let her tell a story of how it is to be a black woman in corporate America. So I just want to get them out there to just kind of get people, as far as picking, I just want to get people who are different to just be able to tell the stories. And then after a while, I'll just, just go by what my heart leads me to. Like I, I Every, everyone has an interesting story. I, I hate to say this because like, you know, American Idol, when everybody come up there and they telling a soft story, but it's true. Like everyone does have a, yeah. a story. Right. The, the basis of it is to get everyone's story out there because it's someone out there that can learn from every situation in everyone's story. Like I, I, I have this conversation with folks all the time that I grew up and I had a father in my household and, Everyone around me had a father in their household. So I thought this whole thing where they said like, uh, people don't have fathers in the household, black men aren't in the household and stuff like that. I thought it was a complete lie in the media until I got into the military. I mean, when I say all my cousins father, all my friends fathers in their household. So, and I don't know if that's just a different statistic in Charleston, probably not. But when I got in the military and I was in a group of seven guys I used to hang out with, 
And I asked him, I was like, just random. I was like, hey, is y'all dad live at home with y'all? And everyone except for me said no. And wow. that was just mind blowing to me. So if I if I never expressed my story of like having my dad in my life every day, waking me up, taking me to school, taking me fishing and stuff, it might've been some people that might not connect to that story where if I just thought in my head that everybody else had a dad, I ignored people who may bring that situation up and not having a father. They can't tell their story of how that affected them growing up. So that's why I say, man, everybody has a story. I pick on the basis of, I know a lot of interesting people. So, hey, you interesting, you next, you come tell your story. You're interesting, you next, you come tell your story. So I have about 30 people lined up already. So <laughs> I'm, I'm nah. pretty booked up right now, so. First off, man, congrats on the uh, on the on the launch. So that that's yes. Dope. Um, and I mean, like you said, it's it, yes, it does sound cliche when you say you know everyone has a story, but they really do. Um, mm -hmm. It's will you take the time? And this is the beauty of of podcasts, right? Will you take the time to listen and learn about this person that you don't know anything about, and possibly learn something new? I mean, just sitting here right now, learning about, you know, I didn't know, I didn't know about that culture in, uh, in the Carolinas. Like, I didn't know anything about that. Like, that's completely new to me and, and how deep rooted it is in the Carolinas. Like that is, that's amazing. So, um, you never know what you're going to learn from someone like that. That's the yeah. beauty of, of, you know, what we, what we do. And another thing is interesting is like most of the people that I've interviewed, I, I know personally. So I'm really starting to learn their backstory, stuff that I didn't even know about them. And you think you know everything about people like and one of the people that I interviewed, I grew up with my whole life. And they told me some things that I was just like shocked by. Like I'm like, but, you know, like in our community, we hold a lot of things in. Yep. And just Started. giving people yeah. the opportunity to talk about these things is almost like therapy for them. Because I, it's a lot of time when I've done these interviews with people and then they tell me like they look like fresh after they're done with the interview. Mm -hmm. Like, like, thank you, man. That, that was good. Like people thanking me for coming on my podcast. I'm like, no, no, thank you. <laughs> what was that? It's, it was like therapy for them. It was like laying on the yeah. couch and talking to exactly. a, yeah, a therapist. Exactly. Now it's good to have that outlet where, um, you know, you could express yourself and not be judged. You know what I'm saying? Like, yep, this happened to me as a as a child, or you know, my my dad, for instance, like my story. My dad is an addict. You know what I mean? And you know, I think I got past the point where um, it was kind of. I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's embarrassing, but I got past the, the point like, yo, that's my story. But this is why I am how I am. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that what makes me, and I was I was literally the opposite of you, bro. Like growing up, it was an anomaly if someone did have their father in the home. So, uh, you know, if they were black. So at the end of the day, um, I came in the military thinking everyone had the same upbringing as me. You know what I mean? And uh, I mean, shoot, to be honest, we mostly did. I did hang around a bunch of people that didn't have any dads, but then I meet people like, you know, Jason and, and you, where they're like, oh, my dad's around all the time, you know, I can call him right now. We got a real close relationship. Exactly. And um, mm -hmm. that's not, you know, I wasn't used to that. I think that's the beauty of the military, not only, and then not, not just the people you meet, but when you travel to other countries, like when I got to um, Germany and Europe, 
I'm looking like, man, these people look like they got a little black in them. Or yeah. you, know, you go to London and you're like, why are all these black people out here with this accent? And even when you go to like Thailand, you're like, some some of these people look they a little dark, aren't they? It's just weird. <laughs> it's just, you know, I'm thinking of it from a Chicago point of view and everyone's the same. But then I, I meet, you know, other um, people that look like me in the military that have totally different stories. And then when you go across the world, for instance, when I went to the Canary Islands, which is the islands right off the coast of um, Africa, uh, off of Morocco, they all speak Spanish, like fluent Spanish, mm. like African, Nigerian, is real, you know, darker than all of us, fluent in Spanish because Spain, it's a Spanish island, right? But it's all African because it's they can literally probably take a two-hour boat ride and be in Morocco, and it's just mind-blowing, just just the the layers and layers and layers of history and complexity our people um, are faced with. Mm -hmm. Now that goes back to that uh, I was talking about weeks ago is that importance of diversity in the environment. So you imagine the same person growing up in the same neighborhood, same people, seeing the same environment, and that's all they stay in. To their like in their 30s and 40s to them that's how the world is it is everybody doesn't have a father it is we're all treated this way it is we all none of us speak different languages that becomes their reality that's why it's important for us to get out meet new people and we always say the military that's where we're, where we're from but that's one thing the military did it for us that we got to appreciate is that we got to meet so many different people different cultures different backgrounds different 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 uh, environments you know and that's the one important thing that helps you helps you grow completely because you get that same person stuck in that same thing, their mind's not going to develop and they're going to get a certain way and they're going to stay that way. They're going to think their world is how they, they think it is on that four blocks that they, that they stay on. You know, another part is how do they get out of that and hear, hear those stories? Like I think your podcast is important because those people that don't hear those stories, they hear that perspective. And now you just brought that to them. So to that dude from West Side Chicago that can't leave because of financial situations or social, he can listen to a podcast now and hear that, wait, there's black folks out there with both parents in the household and making over $8,000 a year. That's what, that's a thing. You know, it makes a reality to them. It, it brings out the entire world back to them. So why I love technology today. You know, you got, you know, you grew up where you grew up and now you can speak to the world with situations that everybody doesn't see. You can bring that diversity to their phones. Everybody got a phone. You can bring that to them. They can hear it, learn from that. And now they can grow a little bit based on what they can, they can hear that they can't get exposed to on a day-to-day -day life. I think that's, that's important. Exactly. And another thing that I like about Representation Podcast is that we are getting that backstory and to speak on social media, our social media shows the highlights. It doesn't show the hard things that we go through. I, I can attest to my social media. Yeah. It's probably pretty lame right now because I don't get to travel that much. So I don't post anything yeah. except for maybe some cooking videos. But <laughs> other than that, like most people, you look at the, the videos and you think they they are the IG or whatever these other things are. And you think like, man, they're living a great life, but you don't get the backstory of how they got that great life. Or you don't get the struggle that they go through from day to day to be able to drive this certain type of car or bring in this certain type of funds. Like people just don't wake up. Well, some people just don't wake up with the great life that they have. So I, I wanted to make sure that on this podcast that I give people the opportunity to talk about the struggles and the elations within their life. So I, I'm, I'm really hope that y'all out there come and listen and give it a check out because I'm telling you, you're going to hear your story in this podcast because I'm going to be interviewing a different bunch of different people. 
Nah, for sure. We definitely uh, going to promote you and make sure to get the word out. So when we, uh, what we like to do when we close is go around and uh, we start with our guests on something you want to tell the people to basically improve themselves, you know what I mean? Or just make them more diversified. <sighs> Some things to improve yourself. Um, well, I would start off by just saying, love yourself, love who you are, um, be a representation of yourself. If I could put that out there. Um, know that there are people that are going through the problems you have and they might not, they may have some of the solutions that you may need. So love yourself, talk to other people to find out ways to get through whatever you may be going through and realize that happiness is important and that if you aren't happy right now, you can still get to that level of happiness. So please, I'll leave it at love yourself. Y'all keep it simple, man. Listen to podcasts. I mean, you got one right here that we just talked to today. Learn something from that. Listen to ours, obviously. In terms of listening to those podcasts, pick some every week, every day, whatever. Pick some, some new, some exposure to something you haven't haven't heard before. You know, go out there and listen to something. A routine I have every single morning. It's part of my morning routine. Is I have to listen to a, a podcast. I pick different ones every single day, just so I can get exposed to things I haven't heard before, or reinforce something I already believe in. Whatever it is, just get exposed to things. Because right now, especially in this time where we're kind of like separated, you got to get that knowledge somewhere. You know what I mean? So, or some different perspectives. So pick a podcast. I don't care what it is. Pick a podcast, listen to it, and go to the next one and keep on doing that. Make it a routine. Yeah, use technology um, to your benefit. Um, it's a really, really big world that we live in, right? But technology shrinks that. So cultures are, are they're at your fingertips, right? So it's a click of a button. So just give yourself the time to just like Jason said, you know, listen to podcasts, pick up a book, read it. Like, you know, you have so much information at your fingertips. Just use it, especially in these times because we can't go anywhere, right? Most people aren't traveling. A lot of people have a lot of time on their hands. Use it to expose yourself to something new, uh, especially new cultures. Um, uh, people have a lot of knowledge and and their backstories um can change your life you know what i mean it can make you look at your you know reflect on your life and, and possibly change something that you're you're doing or they may be doing something that you want to do there's so much information out there so just use it to your advantage you know i would say you know you don't even got to go to the internet the, the people that are you know closest to you um just dive into their story it can even be and I'm pretty sure we all had that aha moment where, you know, your mom or, you know, a grandparent, you know, told a story where you're just like, you know, this and this happened. And they say, well, you know, that happened to your uncle 30 years ago, or, you know, you're, you're, I, I remember, I'm terrible with anything when it comes to like doing yourself building stuff. Um, but my uncle told me that my grandfather's dad, like built the house from scratch. That's what they used to do. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's just crazy. You're not understanding your own history, right? And there's people around you, especially the older folks that uh, that are in your family that have so much um, of that history just stored in their brain where I truly believe if you have a, those conversations or, or you seek it, right, um, that would help 
um, you understand more about yourself. So I would say, you know, seek that from people that are close to you, really understand your family's history, really understand who they are. And that would actually help with your identity too. Yeah, with that, Brendan, thanks again for coming. Um, we we highly look forward to your podcast. Um, it will definitely be our pleasure to be on there and talk about what we're doing. And we'll let it have you on again, bro. So keep making it happen. Yes, man. I appreciate the opportunity to be on the Diversified Gentleman. Love this podcast and also love Black and Brown investors. Yep. Please, y'all, if you haven't seen it, join the Facebook group. It's out there. And also, if you get a chance, follow me at Rep Podcast, R-E-P Podcast on IG. Thank you again. Rep oh. Podcast. Make sure you subscribe and like. We out.